0: rekete about a rombu 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 de katika de moronde sekele moranda shata nekataba Leben lebenan mongu rebenani and Gendan di berika ora sata to ko rebe shete klaba halande rebe kodi amen now what is the the greatest gift to humanity that god gave is His son for that reason, John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world that he give his only begotten son. That giving of his son is called the sacrifice of Christ. Because in the giving of his son, his son died. He was buried. He was resurrected. He ascended to the right hand of the Father. He shed his blood and so on. So God so loved the world that he sacrificed his son. And whoever would receive that sacrifice by believing on him would have everlasting life, the very nature of God. Amen? What all of that scripture is saying is God gave his son Jesus to die for the world so that we can be born again and have the life of his son in us, which is called eternal life. The same scripture is also saying because is that is that when Jesus died on the cross, all of humanity, each and every one of us, was in him. And we were crucified with him. So that everything he did in his death and in his body was done with us and it was done for us. In communion, we celebrate and we say we have a common union. We are partakers of the body of Christ. We eat this in that we are symbolically, we take this bread and say, I partake. Of the body of Christ. I was in his body. I was crucified with him. Everything he did in his body was done for us. Everything he did in his body was designed to put an end to all of the ill will, to all of the evil, to all of the destruction that came to the human race. That's what he did in his body. To end the curse, to end the sickness, to end the disease, to end the poverty, to end the ridicule, to end the shame, to end the the, um, guilt, to end the the, the fear, to end the the blame, and all of those things. So he did that in his death, and then when he was raised up, we were raised up with him, and we now have his life. 1 John 4, 9 says, In this the love of God is manifested, that we might live through him. So it's manifested that he died for us, but it's manifested in that we now have his life. Alright? 1 John four seventeen 17 puts it this way. It says, um, it says, um, herein is the love of God made perfect. Which is to say, this is what a perfect love looks like. Herein is the love of God made perfect. That, um, that we might have boldness in the day of judgment. Herein is the love of God made perfect. That as He is, so are we in this world. Amen? Okay. So then, In this new birth, it's no longer us. We're crucified with Christ. And it is no longer us, but it's Christ that lives in us. And the life we live, it is the very life of Christ. God has given us the life of Christ. And he wants us to function in that life. So much so that Paul says, you know, at the end of the day, Philippians 3 verse 9, I want to be found in him. Not apart from him, not separated from him. I want to be found engrafted in the vine. I want to be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness, which is of God. I want to be found in Him, functioning in that nature. I'm pressing for the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. I'm pressing for that place where everything that God has uttered and said about me from the foundation of the world, I would be walking in it. Amen? He says that He said that I'm holy. And blameless, without reproach in his sight, I must be walking in that. He says that I'm a joint heir, I must be walking in that. Whatever he says about me, that I might be walking in it. So, the thing is, is this. Who am I? What am I? It is the very nature of Christ. And all that goes along with that. And that is what ought to define me. I must not be defined, but there some forces against me. I'm in the world, but not of the world. I'm not to be defined by the world. I'm not to be defined by by race, by gender, by by my genetic history, by my background, what happened to me as a child. I must not even be defined by marriage. I must not be defined by my education or the lack of it. I must not be defined by what someone else thinks about me. Amen? But there are all of these forces... That are designed to define you. They are called the voices out there in the world that comes up and later on could even become strongholds and imaginations and stuff. But what ought to define us is who we are as a result of the sacrifice of Christ. Amen? Not our history. Because who we are as a result of the sacrifice of Christ, that new creation, has no history. All things have what? Passed away. All things have become new. So if as a child I was molested, if as a child I was bullied, if as a child I was not too bright and I was called a dunce, if as a child I, I lived in, in, in such dire poverty that it, it, it branded me, if all of those things, if my family were, 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 were um, if my father or my mother spent years in jail and, and, and had some bad reputation. Those things can define a person, but it, it's not supposed to define the child of God. I'm not to be defined by anything in my history, because in Christ, I have no history. Old things have passed away. I'm not to be defined by my race. I'm not to be defined because the Bible says, first of all, let's just talk about race for a moment, and I'm just going to talk tonight. It says in Galatians 3 and verse 27, that um, when you are baptized into Christ, you put on Christ. You put on Christ. You were baptized into him and you put him, put him on. And in him, in Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond nor free, male or female. So my identity must not come from any, must not come from race, whether I'm Jewish or whether I'm not, whether I'm male, whether I'm female. My identity must not come from the fact that I belong to this organization, the Lions Club, or some you know, whatever, or (laughs) P-A-O-C, right? No, really, because now, no, seriously, my identification must not come from the fact that I'm a bishop or even a pastor. My identification must come from the sacrifice of Christ. Because, you see, it says in Revelation chapter 3 that we were delivered out of every out of every kindred, out of every tribe. You know whether they the 12th tribe of Israel? Out of every kindred, out of every town, out of every culture, out of every language group, out of every ethnic group, all of that. Because, you see, I could take on identification because, oh, I'm black, or, oh, I'm white, or I'm Indian. Or, no, none of that is so. But the thing about it is, I'm going to have to find out how to deal with those things because if I don't, the world is going to define me that way. And I'm going to find myself taking on that definition. And if I take on that definition, it will hinder me from functioning in the nature of Christ. It's going to hinder me from being his, from, from, I am his workmanship. I am perfected forever, but it's not going to, that will not be my experience. Nor will it be my testimony. Amen. So I have to deal with that. So who am I? What should define me? The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 14 that by one sacrifice, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. Perfected what? Forever. So here I am. On the inside, I am perfect. I am perfect forever. Now God, that that needs to become my experience, but I'm perfect forever. But in order for this to become my experience, I have got to silence those voices. All right, but I'll come back to those voices. Um, but this must become my experience. Now, here is what, this, this I, I, who I am inside is total victory. First John, first John 5 four. the first part of that says, whatsoever is born of God, overcome it. Is that right? Whatever is born of God, overcome it. It overcome it. So, my newborn again spirit is total victory, because after all, it's Christ. And he spoiled principalities, powers, defeated them all. He has the keys of hell and death and the grave. All power both in heaven and earth belong to him. He has been given a name which is above every name, and that name belongs to us. So that spirit man in here is absolutely, totally perfect. He is so perfect, in fact, that the Bible says the seed of God remains in him, and he cannot sin. First John 3, 9. Right? And the very works of the devil has been destroyed. Which means that nature that the devil was trying to use, that he imparted to Adam, that passed on to every man, that same nature, was destroyed when Jesus went to the cross. It was destroyed because God took it right out of us. Completely. He didn't just cover it up. He didn't just atone for it. He removed it, crucified it, and then gave us that brand new nature, which is the nature of Christ. So this spirit man here is absolute, total, complete victory. So whatever is born of God, overcome it. But now how is that going to become my experience? This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. In other words, how it is in my spirit, for that to become my experience, for that to become manifest in my life is going to take what? Faith. What do you mean faith? Believing and speaking. Believing and speaking the truth. I could say believing and speaking according to the truth. Of the gospel. I could say, believing and speaking according to the truths of the sacrifice. I could say, believing and speaking the truth of who I am, acknowledging every good thing that is in me. Because you see, Philemon 6 says, the communication of my faith becomes effective when I acknowledge every good thing that is in me. When I acknowledge that I'm crucified with Christ. When I acknowledge I'm righteous. When I acknowledge that I'm holy. When I acknowledge that I'm free from sin. When I acknowledge that God has written His laws in my heart and in my mind. When I acknowledge and I keep I acknowledge all of these truths. When I acknowledge that the world I've crucified to the world, etc., etc., which I'm going to get to in a little while. Amen. So. This is the victory to overcome with my faith. And that faith, has, I have to believe the truth and speak the truth. Amen? Now, um, no, on, on one hand, this is somewhat simple. Simple in the sense that once I find out who this new man is and I get to his truths, I acknowledge. My faith becomes effective. It works. It's produced when I acknowledge every good thing that is in me. Once I recognize the details of this amen and I begin to speak it, and I, begin to, and I believe accordingly and I begin to speak it, manifestation is going to come. Now, I'm going to stop, park there. And let, me, let me park at that one. Now listen to this. I'm simply saying I got to find out the truths, believe it, and speak it, and the Holy Ghost will manifest it. Amen? I must believe it and speak it and the Holy Spirit will manifest it. Now, here's a verse of scripture. First, Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to them that believe. It is the power of God. And it also says, uh, sorry, actually that Romans 116 First Corinthians 18 says, The preaching of the cross, sorry, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to us who are saved, it is the power of God. Amen? The preaching of the cross. Now, when we think of preaching, we think about somebody in a pulpit and an elevated spot, one person behind a microphone. But that word preaching has to do with speaking, um, um professing, declaring. In other words, the saying of the cross, that's the sacrifice. The speaking of the sacrifice is the power of God that produces salvation, whatever. The speaking of it, now it includes the believing, but the speaking of it. Now, and here's a statement I want to make. It's not, it doesn't say It doesn't say the power, that the sacrifice, or rather, okay, the preaching of the cross is them that perish foolishness, but us which are saved is the power of God. It is not the power of God, the sacrifice, it is not the power of God because he did it. It is not the power of God because he was sacrificed. It's not the power of God because he was buried, because he was crucified, because he was resurrected. It is not the power of God to me because he did it. It is the power. No, I I, I, I have to look at this because I need to get this right. It is the power of God, not because he did it, but because I said he did it. You get that? It isn't the power of God just because he did it. It's the power of God because I say it. My speaking it is what creates the power. Is right. that my speaking it is what lights that little wick on the dynamite. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right? You know, what is the thing? That, that grenade? is what pulls the pin. Huge, yeah. Amen? Right. It is my speaking of the sacrifice. That's critical now. Because now I'm getting a little closer. And the Holy Spirit says, "Look, if you, you no, know, the God is waiting, and He wants you to speak truth. He wants you to speak the sacrifice. He wants you to speak it. It, it is near you. It is even right near. The Word of God is mighty even in thy mouth, and that's the Word of God. It's not just this written thing here. It is." The word of God. Jesus is the word. The word is like right here. He says, I'll take you into the promised land. I've given this to you. You just say it. Believe it and say it. it's this near. And if you say it, I'll do it. Because, now Titus 1 verse 3. Now I know it depends on which ver- version it is. But, it, but, but um, in Titus 1 verse 3, you can turn to it. Because you, you, it, it is so important To convince believers that they must speak the truth of the sacrifice for the Holy Ghost to make it so. In other words, for the Holy Ghost to give you the experience of that truth. Amen? In other words then, if I am dominated by some sense of inferiority and I'm affected by what people think, you know what I mean? What people think really affects me. How am I going to have victory over that? By willpower? No. It is not by willpower. It's by the mercy of God that provided Jesus on the cross. It is not by willpower. I'm going to overcome that when I start saying that by the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, I was crucified. And a dead man don't really care what anybody thinks. (laughs) You get that? If I start saying that, the Holy Ghost is going to perform that. It's going to bring me to the place where I don't care what somebody else says. Now, when I recognize, too, that the world has been crucified unto me, and that when one died for all, we're all dead. In other words, then, people, I see everyone crucified with Christ. Now, if I see you crucified with Christ, okay, I see you as dead with Christ, should it matter to me? Is it going to matter to me what you think? Hmm? Am I going to be embarrassed? I'm dead. You're dead. What's the Where is the embarrassment? Right? Where is the offense? Maybe I'm offended because you said this and that about me. But I'm dead. You're dead. I don't even attach what you say to you even. Can you see that? Can you see that? And we could take it to many, many areas. All right. But the point is, it's not my, it's not because, but did Jesus die so that I could be crucified? Yes. And, I, I, and, and the, there's not a word, there's not a word of God say, um, there's an echo. <clears throat> okay. There's not a word of God say, turn on the volume just a little tiny bit. There's not a word of God say in Second Corinthians 5 verse 14, that the love of Christ constrains me. And, and this is what I judge. That if one died for all, then we're all dead. That's what the scripture says. So all are crucified with Christ. Right? We were all dead in trespasses and sins. We were buried with him by baptism. Amen? Knowing not that you were baptized into his death. Isn't, isn't that so? We've been crucified with, with him. Knowing this, that an old man is crucified. And could go on and on. So when I recognize I'm dead, you dead, we're both crucified... And the sacrifice has done that, has made that provision. But that does not change me being embarrassed. That does not change you being able to intimidate me. That does not change um, me feeling insecure and, and inferior. That will change, however, that will become my experience when I start saying it. It's the preaching and the saying of it that is the power of God. When I start saying that I'm not affected by you, because you crucified and I'm crucified. Amen. When I'm when I'm gonna say that the world, what the world thinks, the world believes of me must look out for number one. That doesn't touch me because I'm dead to the world, and the world is dead to me. Amen. When I start saying it's oh, but you are but you are you are black, or you are this or you are that, and this is what happens, and 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 you know, and, and this is what's in the news. But when I start saying that my identity is I'm redeemed out of every town, out of every kindred, out of every race. And I'm not seeing myself in that realm of humanity, but I'm seeing myself as who I am in Christ. When I start saved by the blood of Jesus, I've been redeemed unto God out of every human definition. Then now, God, the Holy Ghost, will perform that for me, and it will become my experience. Right? Question my life, well, how long do I, when I begin to say He bore my sickness and he carried my infirmities. Therefore, by his stripes, I'm healed. I were healed and I am healed. Because I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking what the sacrifice says. I'm speaking what he did in his body. I'm speaking how it is in Christ. I'm speaking as who I am in Christ. And when I speak that, the acknowledgement of that truth, produces, the Bible says, godliness, the God kind of like Titus 1, verse 1. My speaking of it is the power, 1 Corinthians 1, 18. And then Titus 1, verse 3 says that the Holy Spirit, it says, um, God has ordained to manifest his word through preaching. That's the verse, ha, ha, ha. He said, listen to whatever it says. I don't know what version, it says; varies in versions. But the essence of it, God says, it's like God says, you know what? This is the program that I've set up. I will manifest, I have ordained that this is how it's going to work. I will manifest my word through preaching. Yeah. Amen? He didn't say I'll manifest my word because they're fasting or because they had an all-night prayer meeting. And it's good to have an all-night prayer meeting. And it's good to fast. It's good to give. Amen? It's good to kneel and you pray. But he said not because they kneel or because they walk around and pray or because they did this. So, no. He said, I will manifest my word because of preaching. In other words, when you say it, the Holy Ghost performs it. you see how critical that is? Amen? Amen. Jesus did that. Jesus did that. It said in, in, in um, Luke 24. Let me show that to you. I I can just kind of quote scriptures, and but let let me show that to you. Because the thing is, you see, we must be convinced of that. Because that is how it works. It is wonderful that this is who I am in Christ. It is great that I've been perfected forever by His sacrifice. It's great that by His stripes and healed. It is wonderful that in Him, I'm free from sin and from guilt and from condemnation and insecurity and inferiority and and I'm the righteousness. That is wonderful, but that needs to become my experience. It is wonderful that I'm crucified to the world, the world is crucified to me, that the law, I'm dead to the law through the body of Christ, and the issue of works is... All of that is wonderful, but that must become my experience. Amen? And for that to become my experience, it says, this is the victory. It's my faith. Which means it is my believing accordingly and my speaking. Amen? So we... and, And because... You see, many times we, we, to start with, we believe wrong. And actually, we're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that believing wrong in in a little while. All right? All right? right. But the speaking, amen? But sometimes we we, 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 we rest in the believing, and we don't get the, the, the absolute necessity of the speaking and the declaring. Look at Luke 24, verse 44. Mm. Because it says preaching, it doesn't say... It says preaching. Yes, it's, it, it says it doesn't say that for us, but it says preaching. It says preaching, but preaching is what? Speaking. Yes, that's It's right. saying. But the preaching, of, you know what to Because, <laughs> again, because of believing. We believe, but preaching is from the pulpit. Yeah. Amen? It's, there's a bunch of little wrong believing. Yeah. Okay. And there's a particular one I'm going to come to, which is why this is here. Yeah. Right? About good and evil. Better and worse. <laughs> Right and wrong, as opposed to a conscience that is, that is alive to God, purged by the blood of Jesus from every dead work that we might serve the living God. Okay, all right, Luke 24, 44. I just want to make this point about the, the, the saying, the declaring, the, pro, pro, the, 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 the professing. The Bible says, you shall decree a thing, and it shall be established unto you, right? Job twenty two twenty eight. 28. Psalms 2, verse 7 says, you shall declare what the Lord has decreed. All right? God says, Command ye me concerning the work the, the, the works of my hand. Put me in remembrance. Jesus is the high priest of our profession. What we profess, and, and I could, you know, there's lots of scriptures. But look at this one. The word is near you, yes. even in your mouth and in your heart. Yes. Right? Whosoever shall say. Okay. In Luke four to, 24, verse 44. This was in, anyway, Jesus said, and Jesus said unto them, These, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Now, we got to look at this scripture closely. Because you see, sometimes sometimes we can we cannot get exactly what is being said and it matters. Because the Bible says the Bible says grace and peace is multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ. So what is the big deal? Okay, the knowledge of Christ, the knowledge of God, is not the same as the knowledge about Christ. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. It's not. Jesus Jesus says. Jesus then said, "This is the way." Jesus says, "Come and I, <laughs> learn of me." I, I, he says, "I am the way. I am the, the way. I am truth. I am life. Me. It's not about me. It's me. Are you with me? Grace is multiplied by the knowledge of Him. All right. It makes a huge difference. Okay. Because it's, because don't forget, we going to still have to believe right. And and even though I haven't gotten there yet, the reason I put this here is because the two things that are gonna affect our believing. And the particular one that I will will touch at least a little bit is the issue of conscience, right? That has been programmed wrong, incorrectly, and you end up messing up our believing. That's why I put this here, right? Good and evil. (laughs) But anyway, get back to this verse. Look at this verse. These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you that all must be fulfilled. Now, it sounds that all must be fulfilled which was spoken by the law of Moses and the prophets. It sounds like Jesus was saying to them, These are the words that I spoke unto you while I was yet with you, telling you that all that Moses said and the prophets said must be fulfilled. It sounds like if that's what they're saying. But that's not what they're saying. Amen? Jesus was just trying to tell, was not saying to them, You know what? You need to know that whatever Moses said about me, whatever the prophet said about me, they needed to be fulfilled. That's what Jesus was saying. What was he saying? He says, these words which I spoke, that I spoke unto you while I was with you, the reason I spoke them to you is so that they could be fulfilled. If I don't speak them, it can be fulfilled. Got it? Do you see that? Isn't that a big difference? Can you see that? It is the declaring. It's the saying. <laughs> Amen. Back to Titus 1 verse 3. The Holy Spirit, God has ordained. This is how it works. I will manifest my word when they say it. Amen. It's near you in your mountain and in your heart. You speak to the mountain. You declare what the Lord has said. Behold, I've given you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth. Whatever you allow on earth, I'm going to allow it in the spirit. Whatever you do, whatever you do not permit, I'm not going to permit it. It's up to you. If you believe it. Amen. Amen? Now you see, when we get two things straight, which is, which is believe right because of getting the conscience issues straightened out, and do I have another one? And <laughs> when we could solve the, the issue of offense, Operating from the wrong perspective of motive, we fix it. And then the faith will operate right. And then the Holy Ghost will not be hindered in performing. Amen? All right. The issue of speaking. So what do I speak then? What am I supposed to say? Well, Titus 1 verse 1 says, Acknowledge every good thing that is in you in Christ. But you see, every good thing that is in you in Christ is only in you because of the sacrifice. Because Titus 10 and verse 14 says, by one offering, which means by one sacrifice, he has perfected you forever. By that one sacrifice, he has made you who you are. Isn't that right? Are you with me? So when I find out the sacrifice, the details of it, that's made me whoever I am, all that I am in Christ, and I say it, and I declare it, and I believe it, the Holy Ghost performs it. Another scripture that proves the same thing is Galatians 3 verse 5, that the Holy Spirit, he performs, it says miracles, but he performs. And he performs, not by the works of the law, not based on your works and your performance and, and whether you kneel or you stand or you walk or you run or you skip or you fast or you don't fast, no. But by the hearing of faith, when he hears faith, Amen? When he hears faith. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's Galatians 3.5. When he hears faith, he performs it. Okay, let me back up and say something else. Somebody said, well, how long do I have to keep believing? How long do I have to keep speaking? How long? When am I going to stop? When you get the manifestation. How long is that? I don't know. Just keep saying it. But here is what we do know. Habakkuk 2 verse 2, which is a prophetic scripture speaking to the new covenant, says, I'm going to sit upon my watch. Right? That I can see what he says and what I will answer. Amen? What I will answer. Glory to God. That's a good word right there. Let me see that actually. Habakkuk 2. Habakkuk 2. Whoa, never, I didn't see that before. Yeah. Answer. Habakkuk 2, verse 2. Yep, this is the answer. All right. Oh, glory to God. Keto Mondo kara Okay, Habakkuk 2, verse 2. I will stand upon my watch. And set me upon the tower. 2 verse 1. Did I say verse 2? Verse 1, sorry. I will stand upon my watch. And set me upon the tower. And I will watch. What am I watching for? To see. To see what? To see what he will say. To see what he will say. So that I can get his utterance. What he has said about me. What he said crucifixion did. What he said resurrection did. What he said burial did. What he said the blood has done. What he said about this light in me. What he's, you see, I will walk until I can see what he says. I might have to meditate on it until I can see it. But once I can see what he says, and I recognize that what he is saying, wasn't that I'm going to just, in that these things, I'm telling you these things that are going to be fulfilled, but I'm telling you these things that they may be fulfilled. Right. Until I can see right. Right, I'm coming here. And to see what I will say, what he will say unto me and when I can see what he says, when I hear. Today if you hear his voice, mm, harden not your heart. When I hear and what I shall answer when I'm reproved, when I'm perplexed, when I'm in a pressure, when things happen, when I'm in the judgment, when in the day of judgment in the evil day, what I will answer now. You see, there's a difference between reaction and responding. To respond, to respond, is to respond is to do, is to do and speak right according. Faith is the right response to God's ability. Let's put it that way. Faith is our responsibility. I'm being cute now. Faith is our responsibility. Faith is the right response to God's ability. Faith is the right response to what God has done, what God has said, what Christ has finished. So faith is the right response. So when I am responding, I mean, all right, when, 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 for instance, you, that's, you did something to me, and it's harsh, and it's mean, and I'm hurt, and I'm wounded. All right? I have a choice. Well, well, forget that word choice. That's bad. That's that word here. Choice. Now, here's what I here Here is what. Here's the issue now. You've done something. Man, you just stabbed me. The woundedness, the hurt. Now, what do I do? I can react. I can react, I can give you a piece of my mind. I can react and they say, you know what? I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I'm just not going to have anything to do with you. You understand that? Yeah. You're out of my life. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> I can react, all right? Or I can answer based on what he has said. And in which case then I say, wait a minute, I'm crucified. What you said doesn't affect me. Mm-hmm. You're crucified also. And you were crucified in him with me. We were all crucified together. And that blood that has given me such a brand new conscience, purged from every dead work, that blood has been shed for you. And all that evil, mean stuff you're saying against me, the blood has been shed. And you know what? You don't even have to ask for my forgiveness because you don't even have to earn it. He's already paid for it. So you know what? I'll just remit your sins. And what have I done? I've responded. I didn't react. I have answered. Where did I answer from? Based on what he has said, I have answered from the sacrifice, from where I am in Christ. And in Christ, what the sacrifice says is you crucified, I'm crucified. And dead people don't, don't, don't flip out. Dead people uh, uh, don't react. <laughs> you know what I mean? Alright? Alright. Got it. So that's why they all done. So this. So now, but again, what is the point? Oh, I didn't finish the question. The point is, how long do I keep speaking? First of all, I answer. Where am I answering from? I'm speaking truth here. And then it says, and the Lord answered me. He said, write the vision. Write what you've seen. What you've heard. Make it plain upon tablets. That he may run that readeth it. And that vision, that which you wrote, that what you heard, that truth, that which you spoke, that which you answered, is yet for an appointed time. But at the end, it shall speak. And it shall not lie. And though it tarry, wait for it. Because it will surely come. And it will not tarry. In other words then, keep on saying it. It's going to come to pass. The vision shall be fulfilled. Are you with me? Mm-hmm. Got it. So that answers the question as to how long. All right. Um, I'm only going to go so far. <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, so, here is it. here it is then. So now, I now study. I can just go look just at crucifixion alone. Just look at what he did in his body. Just that part alone. Just from that, and there's still seven other parts. And from that part, I could learn to speak truth based on who I am in Christ, who He has made me, me being the product of His perfect sacrifice. I could speak truth from there and silence those other voices that were trying to give me this identification, that were trying to de- define me as frustrated. That is trying to define me as wounded and hurt. That is trying to define me and make me feel inferior. That is trying to put me in a place where where, where, where it's it's about my reputation and all of this kind of stuff. Or race, or this or that. So we can go through crucifixion and we'll find a couple of things just very quickly. Number one, we will find that I'm crucified. Isn't that right? Right? Galatians 2.20. Number two, we'll also find that the same nature is crucified. Romans chapter 6 verse 6 knowing this that the old man is crucified that means I can now say that sin will not have any dominion over me because what? I'm not under the law but I'm under grace, that thing has been crucified and I'm not depending upon my ability and my willpower to say no, no grace, the ability of God is what I'm, gonna, is what I'm trusting not me, when I'm weak I'm strong it's not me, but it's Christ in me alright he is the sufficiency. So now, I depend, I Others begin to declare, sin is not going to have dominion over me because that nature was crucified. And where sin abounds, grace abounds much more, Romans 5, 20. And sin is not going to have dominion over me because I'm not under the law. I'm not dependent on my own ability and my own performance and my own willpower. I'm dependent on the mercy of God which has provided the sacrifice of Christ. I am dependent on grace, which is God's ability. And if I say that, and I keep saying that, what would happen? That will become fulfilled in my life. And now, sin is no longer going to have dominion, grace will not be flowing. When I keep on saying I'm crucified, after a while, that becomes, my, that becomes the Holy Spirit performs that, that becomes my experience. So that this sort of, here I was, I was this wounded person because of the, the, the Me Too, Me Three, Me Four movement, and I'm not knocking that because I, I, really, have, I really feel strongly about some of that stuff, right? But because I've been defined by, by what happened to me, my childhood, that was just messing me up. And as a result, I had all these fears of this shame and all of this blame and all this insecurity. It was my fault. I must have done something to deserve this, to have brought this to myself. Are you with me? And I'm under that weight of condemnation. But now, when I declare, no, no, by the blood of Jesus, I've been redeemed. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm holy. I'm without blame. I'm without guilt. And when I begin, and I'm speaking up from the sacrifice, am I not? From the blood. When I begin to declare that, the holy promise performs that next thing, you know, I come to a place where, man, hey, I could tell you all of my story, all the bad things that happened to me, and it doesn't touch me anymore. No shame. Shame is gone. Blame is gone. And I don't have to live. Man, that's freedom. That's freedom. It's freedom when I'm not going to be affected by what somebody else th- thinks. When, when I don't have to react and I can only respond, I can answer. So here we have, I'm crucified. The old nature is crucified. People have been crucified. Everybody's been crucified. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 14. I judge them crucified by the love of God, according to that verse. And then I also recognize the world has been crucified to me and I unto the world. Galatians 6, verse 14. So I'm not going to conform to them, to the way they think. Amen? I'm not going to be, be, be lusting after what I can eat and what I'm going to drink and what I'm going to wear. No, I'm going to see first the kingdom because this is how I operate. Alright? And God is going to deal with it with things. He takes care of the birds and everything else. So I'm not going to be conformed to the world. And the world is not going to dictate to me how I should be and how I should feel and all of that. I'm dead to the rudiments of this world. And then, when it comes to the issue of race and, and oh, oh, which organization I'm in, Hey, I have now wrote Revel, Revelations 5 verse 9 that says by the blood I've been redeemed out of all of those things. And I've been redeemed unto God. So I can just apply just the just, just the issues of crucifixion about five of them, and we only talking crucifixion and a little bit of blood. <laughs> all right, and I've already shut down many of those voices, many of those things that would want to define me, and I could just simply declare, I'm the product of His sacrifice. Are you with me? But now, now to come back to these, I just so to make this computer stuck this day, I gotta do something with it. <laughs> all right, all right. There's two problems, however. One is, okay, this is the easy one. (laughs) One is the issue of offense. When, um, when, in Matthew chapter 16, when the disciples, when Jesus says, who do men say that I am? And some say you're the Christ, some say, you know, some say you're a good prophet. Some say this, some say all of that. And then Jesus said, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, wonderful, great, awesome. And then he says, you, he says upon this rock, I'm going to build a church. I'm going to build, I call out people call a church, an assembly of believers that I'm going to call out, and to be, and, and, and the church that I'm going to be built will be built upon the revelation of who I am, Christ, the anointed one, the nature of God, eternal life. The church is going to be built in that revelation. Amen? All right, and um, and and then he says, and then he says, and I give you the keys of the kingdom, man. I give you the keys of the kingdom. So whatever I do, you'll be able to do. You're going to be my extension, right? I, who am the Son of God, upholding all things by the Word of my own by my power. I, who am the incarnate Word of God in this body that has created everything, you're going to be just like me, and whatever you say, whatever you bind. Whatever you lose, whatever you bind in earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose no, earth will be loosened in heaven. Man, that's awesome. Amen. Right? Amen. And, then, but, and then, you know, he began to reveal to them, I'm going to go to the cross. You know, I'm going to go to the cross, I'm going to die, and so on. Peter says, no, 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 you don't. And Peter rebuked him. And Jesus said, this is Peter that was hearing from God. Mm-hmm. Now, Jesus turned and said, get thee behind me Satan, for you are an offense to me you are a stumbling block to me you want to come and divert me off of my pathway to the cross you want to, and this word offense, you want to turn me to a place where you, because the word offense is, one, is a selfishness, it's looking out for your own advantage what's beneficial to you and, and, and Jesus said you are trying to be an offense to me you trying to get me to look out for, for me, you know, and so on. And, and Peter, you are yielding to that spirit because you are thinking about what's profitable for you. Right? You're saving not the things which be of God, but the things which be of man. All right. What was that? We talk about being offended, but that wasn't just being offended. That was the spirit of offense which the devil used to turn, take, to take people and move them in a selfish motivation. What's in it for me? right, what's the advantage for me? Are you with me? Amen? What's in it for me? And that, so that spirit of offense is what can cause you to not function in Christ properly. right, Jesus was led like a lamb to the slaughter and he opened not his mouth. You know why he didn't open his mouth? And he didn't defend himself. If he were to defend himself, he would have yielded to that spirit of offense and he would have disqualified himself from being the perfect lamb of God without spot or blemish. You follow me? Because he would a yielding to that demonic spirit that came from the devil. All right? That's the devil's strategy. So, in order, and Jesus is going to go on to say in Matthew chapter 16, after he said that in Matthew 16, um, verse 23, you are an offense to me because you're saving not the things which be of man, but the things which be of God. Um, and don't forget, this is the church he wanted to, that is that is, that is going to, through whom he's going to, that the gates of we're not going to prevail against the church Okay, this is the church for whom it is his intent to declare to the principalities and powers of wisdom of God so verse 23 get thee behind me Satan thou art an offense unto me for thou savest not the things which be of God but the things which be of men if any will come after me let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whosoever will save his life shall lose it Etc. Etc. So Jesus says, "You want to be where I am? You want to operate like me? You are going to have to deny yourself, because where the self is not there, offense—the spirit of offense has nothing to attach itself to. When the devil can't get you to look out for your advantage, to look out for number one, what's in it for you? But where are you? Just in a place where I'm crucified. My meat is to do the will of the Father." Now that I live, I do not live for the will of men. I don't live for my own will, but I live for him that died and rose again. Amen? So so that again, crucifixion now becomes the answer to that spirit of offense. And Jesus said, if you, in other words, Jesus said, yes, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. You're going to operate in such power. But you cannot yield to that spirit of offense. You cannot yield to that selfish motivation. Amen? You have not because you ask not, and then you ask, and then you ask amiss. You follow me? All right. We don't want to get too far off from that, but there's, that, that's, so that's this one. Uh, crucifixion shuts it down. Bingo. <laughs> now, but this other guy, he is trouble. <laughs> Here's what happened with this fellow now. What happened is, you see, is conscience. Conscience. What happened is, when, 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 when the devil tempted Eve, the, the temptation was, God knows that, it, that tree over there, that tree of knowledge of good and evil, God knows that if you eat of that tree, you're going to be like God, and you are going to know good and evil. You're going to be able to judge between what's good and what's evil, what's right and what's wrong, and you're going to be able to make the choices. You're going to be your own moral agent. You wouldn't have to have God. Amen? All right? Now, that's a cursed system, is it not? Right. Now, so so here we are redeemed. Now that we are redeemed, now does God want us to be redeemed? And after we're redeemed now, we are now going to have a conscience that is going to function the way the devil had wanted it to function? Would God want that? Would God want us to now still operate from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil? What's what's right for me? What do I choose? Which way? no, no, no. We are not to function by choice. We are to function by obedience. We are to be obedient to the faith. You see, once you start getting into choice, then you're going to fall right back over here. What is in it for me? I mean, Paul, they stoned you, left you for dead. By the mercy of God, them saints got around you and raised you up. Isn't that right? Now God says, I want you to go back into town. I want you to go back right there where they stole you. I want you to go back there and preach and declare these words. Are you serious? (laughs) They almost killed me. You follow me? That was my Paul's reaction. You see see what happened there? Conscience began to rationalize and reason and, and, and try to go through with logic. Peter, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. He's on the rooftop. God tell him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. Peter said, No, no, no. No, it makes no sense. We kill and eat. This is a creepy little thing, right? This is a cursed thing. I, I don't understand that. I, I can't do that. God had to give him a vision and all of that stuff uh, to get him to move. Let me ask you something. And this is the same Peter, okay, that even had a problem back then. What was the problem? The problem is. The church has bought into this lie that says our conscience is this moral agent that is supposed to make choices. For the sinner, that's okay. But not for us. We are to be obedient to the faith. Now, remember that verse in Habakkuk? I will watch and see what he says and what I answer. Not what I'm going to choose. Just what he says. That's it. Once I know what he says, I got my answer. I'm not choosing here. Mm -hmm. So, but the church has defined that and we bought into it. So, when we look at any scripture, when we look at truths, the truth gets filtered through this thing we call conscience that is deceptive. That makes us think that if we make a right choice, Somehow that pleases God. When the Bible says you got to make a right choice to please God, does that what it says? It says without faith it is impossible to please God. Amen? Believing according to what He has said and speaking and acting accordingly. It it, it didn't say choice. Because when you go operating from choice, that's not faith. That's rationalization. That's reasoning. That's carnality. That's how the world operates. But as for us, our conscience, the Bible says, in in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14. Now, this here is the most, this is so critical. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 14 says, How much more Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God, purge your conscience? Now there's two things here. Okay, let me read the whole thing first. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Now, watch this here. How much more shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit offer themselves without spot to God purge your conscience? Let's break it down. How much more shall the blood of Christ purge your conscience from every dead word? How much more shall, shall the blood of Christ through the eternal spirit purge your conscience? Two factors involved in the conscience. The Holy Spirit and the blood. To do what? Purge your conscience. Purge your conscience. Purge it. Purge it from what? Hebrews chapter 10. Verse 2. For then will they not have been ceased to be offered? Because that the worshippers once purged will have what? No more consciousness. No more consciousness of sins. No sense of separation. No sense of, 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 of guilt or any of that. But it's operating in such a oneness with God, righteousness, that whatever he says, that's what I answer. Whatever, today if I hear his voice, I do it. Amen? It will go on to say in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 16, that his law, he has written, his law in our hearts, and he's written them upon our minds. He said he did that. He said it's already written in there. Yeah. If it's written in there and it's written on your mind, then you must also, you must have the mind of Christ. Mm-hmm. And if you have the mind of Christ and he's written it all in there, you must know all things. Does it say that? It does. Second, that's amazing. first, John chapter 2 verse 20 says, you receive an unction, yeah, which is Christ, which is anointing, yeah. from the Holy One. And you know all. all. things, And things is in italics. <laughs> right? Amen. Then verse 7. Amen. The anointing Teach you. teaches you all things. And even as he had taught you, you shall what? Abide. In other words, if you hear what he says, you sit and you watch until you can see what he says. And you do what he says. What happened? Here you are. You're abiding in Christ. You're not going to be out there. You're going to be found in him. Why? Because of the act of obedience and what he said. But here's what actually happens. though. That's how it should be. But even though he's written it, you have this unction. It's written in your heart. It's written in your mind. He said he, he, said he did it. But then what happened? Soon the situation comes, we back up. I don't know what to do. Why than say, Christ is made unto me wisdom. No consciousness of sins. Conscience now purged. Now what? Okay. Um, but here's what happens. It says today if you hear his voice, what does it say? Harden your voice. Why did he say that? Today if you hear his voice, harden up your heart, but obey, basically. Why did he say that? Because today, when you, the moment you hear his voice, the moment you hear his voice, there is a hardening of your heart that wants to reason. Is this good for me? How is this going to work out? Do I, get, do I kill and eat? Do I go back into that square and preach? Do I, should, go, go witness to that brother. I don't know if he's going to receive it. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, the way he's looking at me, no, I don't know if he, he might not receive it. You, you follow me? And we get into that reasoning. Instead of the hardening of and what does that make me do? moves me into unbelief. Yeah. Moves me into a place of... And so that, or if it doesn't make sense, then I'll do it. No, I'm doing it, but I'm not doing it in faith. So that work become a dead work. As opposed to being alive unto God. Can you see that? So what is this big enemy I have? This filter. This filter, this conscience. Now Paul said, you know what? Man, I overcome that. You know how I overcome it, Paul said? Because I exercise myself. I have a conscience, void of offense. Okay, I didn't notice any need that. <laughs> I exercise my conscience. I practice this. I don't let my conscience go over there and start reasoning. No, I say you obey. I go, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Right? Those, I mean, people say, oh, the Paul, they're going to they're gonna throw you in jail. And the prophets say this. And he says, look, man, stop worrying me with this stuff. I don't count my life dear unto myself so that I can finish my course with joy. I go bound in the spirit. Wherever the Holy Spirit takes me, that's where I'm going. And if it's jail, then so be it. And I was we got 13 epistles. Thank God he went to jail, didn't he? Yeah. Amen? But that wasn't about choice. But Paul said, oh, the only way I got to this place, he says,